Good morning and happy Easter to you. He is risen. Can you say he is risen indeed? He is risen. Say it one more time. He is risen. Say it one more time with me, would you? He is risen. He is risen indeed. What a pleasure to be with you on this special day. You might be asking, what are you doing in a cemetery? Well, that's where those women went that first Easter Sunday morning. They went to a cemetery. They expected to find one thing, but they found another. My prayer for us this morning is that no matter what our expectations of this day, of this season, no matter what our expe expectations, we'll find life instead. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, thank you for this amazing reminder that every day is a new day with you. Thank you for this amazing reminder that, that you have conquered sin and disease and death. And God, is it possible like you met those women, those women on that first Easter Sunday morning that you would meet us here in this place as well? Oh, we love you, God, and we dedicate this time to you now. Amen. Well, come with me, would you? We're going to go inside where it's a little warmer. It's about 34 degrees out here. We're going to go inside where it's a little warmer and open God's word together. Come with me, would you? today from 1st Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Thanks be to God. His death could not hold you. The veil turned before you. He silenced the host of sin and pray. The heavens are roaring. 
Continuing our scripture from the book of Luke, chapter 24, continuing at verse 6, we hear these words. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And then skipping to verse 36, we find this. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace to you. And then continuing in verse 44, then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the Maw of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. This is the very word of God. Thanks be. Well, thank you so much, Beth. Our second reading comes from the book of 1 Peter, beginning in uh, chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, Peter writes, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. This is the very word of God. Thanks be to God. Can you imagine what those women were experiencing that resurrection morning? I believe you can. You see, you, like they, have experienced loss. You've experienced fear and anxiety. You've experienced uncertainty. And you've experienced that temptation to stop believing, to stop hoping, to stop expecting that something greater than you could have ever imagined was still to come. That's why I love 
this passage. That's why I love Easter, honestly, because it brings life back into death. It brings hope back into despair. If we will allow, it brings peace even into our fears and anxieties. That's what I want you to experience this morning. Hope. Hope that comes from experiencing Christ's victory over your circumstances. Hope that comes from experiencing Christ's victory over sin, disease, and even death. But before we begin, I want you to think for just a moment with me about expectations. We've seen over and over again in Scripture that a major stumbling block for experiencing the peace for which God created us is our expectations or someone else's expectations of us. And as a result, we often don't recognize when God is moving in, around, and through us. So think with me for a few moments this morning, would you, about the women making their way to that tomb, that resurrection morning. What was it that they expected? Clearly, the preparations they had made, the things that they brought with them, all of these indicated they expected to find death that Easter Sunday morning. I'm not saying I completely understand, but I kind of imagine that all through that previous Saturday, though it was the Sabbath, though it was a time when they were not allowed to, to do work, when they were not allowed to anoint Jesus' body, when they were not allowed to prepare him for his eternal rest in their minds. My expectation is they were thinking about it. They were thinking about that unpleasant task that was still before them. That's what they expected. They expected to find a body that morning. But what was it that they found? We heard in our scripture, they found the stone was rolled away. They found the tomb was empty. They found the grave clothes were lying where Jesus' body had been. They found that Christ had risen from the dead. And the words of those amazing angels, clothed in white, were phenomenal for them to hear. Why do you look for the living among the dead? The angel said. Hmm. Why do we look for the living among the dead? The angel said, he is risen. Did you say that with me again? He is risen indeed. Christ is risen. And that changes everything. We might be tempted in, in looking at the story again today to think about the presence of those angelic messengers. And all of us have visions in our mind of what that must have been like. I want to suggest to you that it probably wasn't what you're imagining. Yes, they were radiant. They were, they were um, amazing presence. But, but they still appeared to be human beings. Don't get caught up in in the appearance of the angel and miss the message that they shared, right? The focus on this section of Luke chapter 24 is not the messengers. In fact, it's never about the messenger, is it? It's about the message. Don't miss this. These women first encountered the resurrection through this message. They are told that Jesus has risen, but they do not see that Jesus has risen himself. What they have is a word, a message. What they had that Easter morning is the same thing that you have today. Oh yes, later on they would see the risen Christ. But that morning, like, like a few moments ago, as I showed you that tomb, they didn't see Jesus walk out from that. They were just told the message that he had. 
That brings the Easter experience uncomfortably close, doesn't it? Because this is precisely what we have this morning, the word of resurrection. Oh, one would think that God would work differently, right? It would have been much easier to have the women come to the tomb and, and experience Christ's presence in themselves, right? It would have been much easier for Jesus just to appear in dazzling glory to you and me this morning in person, right? To appear to those who gather on Easter morning 2,000 years later. And so our situation is like the women on that first Easter. We're given the message of resurrection and it flies in the face of everything we expected. It flies in the face of everything that we thought to be true. Oh, what's the natural response to something phenomenal like this? I, I want to be real with you this morning. The only logical response to such a message is unbelief. Yeah, I said that, right? The only logical response is unbelief. So I want you to have mercy on, on those who have not yet come to that place where they put their trust in the message, where they have put their trust in Christ. The message is phenomenal, right? And in fact, I would suggest that it's impossible to grasp unless the Holy Spirit enables us. Oh, God, help us to grasp your message for us today. Grant us that mustard seed of faith to believe, for we ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, the Easter message says that Jesus lives. So what do you do when you have contradictory message? What do you do when contradictory claims collide like they did that Easter Sunday morning, like they do for us today? It only makes sense to keep on affirming what you already know, right? And this is what Luke reports in this next section of Luke 24, especially verses 8 through 11. The women bring the message of resurrection that they receive to the other disciples. And, and they respond as thinking people regularly respond. They thought that the message was too amazing to be true. In fact, they use, they use even stronger terms. They thought that the message was an idle tale. And, and Luke tells us they did not believe the women. I want to pause for a second here and, and think about unbelief with you. Unbelief does not mean that people believe nothing. Rather, I want to suggest to you that it means that they believe something else. People say, I don't believe it because there's something else that they believe more strongly, right? Yet here is where the Easter message begins to do its work. Here's where the Holy Spirit stirs in people's hearts and creates the possibility of, of understanding and of faith. Experience teaches us that, that death wins and that even the strongest succumb to it. Many of us even... This morning are reeling because someone we love, a member of our own spiritual family here, passed away from the COVID virus this past week. And, and we find ourselves falling into that same trap. He's gone. He's dead. But, but the message of Easter is just as real for our beloved as it was for them that morning. Death is not the final word. For those who have trusted in Christ, even if they die, do you remember Jesus saying that at Lazarus' tomb? Yet shall they live. Death is not the final word. Even though experience teaches it that life is what you make it. So get what you can while you can because it'll soon be over. The Easter message says, really? Really? How can you be so sure? 
Oh, make no mistake, death is real. I'm not, not trying to pretend that it's not. But it's not final. In Jesus, life gets the last word. So the Easter message calls to me, it calls to you, from your old belief in death to a new, greater belief in life. The women expected to find death. But I want to suggest to you this resurrection morning that they found something much more important. I believe that you and I can find something much more important this morning. We expect death. What they found and what we can find is hope for the future. What am I trying to say? If Christ has overcome death, then he has overcome every other enemy of humanity as well. He has overcome fear. That's why he said so many times, don't be afraid. Don't be anxious, right? He has overcome sin. Yes, yes, what we celebrated on Good Friday just two days ago was that Christ took our sin and nailed it to the cross, right? When he went to, our, to the cross, having borne our sin upon himself the previous night, right? Our sin was atoned for. The price was paid. The life was given. And the power of sin over me and you was broken. He overcame fear. He overcame sin. He overcame disease, right? He modeled it for the three years he walked on the face of the earth. But, but he overcame even the power of the COVID virus, right? God is greater than the challenges you face. Ultimately, he overcame even the power of death. So did you hear the words of Peter himself in our memory verse for this morning? Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and this morning as we worshiped, we, we praised him. He's worthy of our praise. Why? For in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What is hope? We've explored that together before, but hope is a very real expectation of a better future, right? And through the resurrection of Christ, we have been given new birth into a living hope. We expected death, but now we have been given a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They expected to find death, the death of their savior, the death of their dreams, but what they found was a living hope that would sustain them the rest of their lives. In fact, they would freely give up their earthly life because of this living hope which was born in them that day. And I, again, want to pause and recognize that it would be really easy, wouldn't it, to lose hope right now? Having been contained and quarantined in our homes and, and heard, hearing of loved ones with the disease, even loved ones passing away, it would be easy to succumb to our fears in these present circumstances. But the resurrection of Jesus, which changed everything for those women that, that first Easter morning, changes everything for them, for us as well, excuse me. So, so they found hope for the future, but they also found a couple of things for the present, right? They found peace for the present. 
Did you hear those words of Jesus to his followers when he first appeared to them? Peace be with you. It sounds something like something churchy, doesn't it? It sounds like something I would say at the end of a service, and I say it all the time. Why? Because in Christ, peace can be with you. And peace, as we've discovered, is not the absence of, of, of conflict. Peace, as we have come to understand, is the presence of the living God in the midst of the struggle. So Jesus' resurrection meant that he was still with them. And not only that, he would be with them for the rest of eternity. So how can we find that peace? Is there a clue for us here in this brief scripture? I think there is. Remember his words, the angels said. Remember his words. Two things I, I'm afraid that we don't take seriously enough. You know, I don't. Our prayer, as we've discovered over these last couple months, and the word of God, the word of God. Remember what he told you. The angels counseled the women. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. Jesus would say to the disciples in the upper room that very evening, right? When Jesus opened their minds, like he opened the minds of those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, he, he noted everything about his life, his death, his resurrection had been foretold in the scriptures. But then he also told them that repentance for the forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all the nations. In other words, we can respond to the word of God. We can recognize our own brokenness, our own need for life and repent and have a change of mind, which leads to a change of heart, which leads to a change of life. Well, you can experience peace through communion with God in prayer but also through his word, through his word. I just invite you daily, spend time in his word. A great opportunity would be just to look at the balance of, of Luke 24 um, throughout the coming week. Um, meditate on it. Invite the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word. Maybe, just maybe you'll find that peace in the midst of your circumstances, through the very word of God. They found peace, but they also found purpose for the present as well. Those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus are entrusted with the message of the resurrection. Can I say that again? Those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus, do you believe? Those who believe in the resurrection of Jesus are entrusted with the message of the resurrection. That's why I wanted to de-emphasize early, earlier the glory of those angels because they were simply doing what, what God had asked of them. And, and when you and I who believe in the resurrection of Jesus, when we share that great news with other people, when we share the great news that the power of sin, disease, and death has been overcome with other people, then we are being messengers of that gospel to other people as well. The message of the resurrection of, of Jesus is that Christ has broken every chain that encompasses us. And that has powerful implications for our present and our future, but it also has powerful implications for our past. So they found hope for their future. They found peace and now purpose for their present to share that great news with other people. But they also found something for their past. They found forgiveness for their past. Did you notice 
how the rest of the disciples received the message from the women, right? We saw earlier that they, they seemed to them like an idle tale and they did not believe them. So why did Peter jump up and run to the tomb? Why did Peter look in there and see the empty tomb and the grave clothes lying where his body had been? Why did Peter marvel at what he saw? You see, it was Peter who said that even if everyone else denies you, Jesus, I will never deny you. It was Peter who promised to lay down his life for Jesus. Yet it was Peter who denied Jesus three times. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not, I'm not blaming Peter. You see, to judge Peter is to judge myself. If Peter denied Jesus three times, I've denied Jesus 300. I've denied Jesus countless times. So why? Why did he run to the tomb? Why do we come to the empty tomb this resurrection morning? Because if Jesus has risen from the dead, then, then we are forgiven. If Jesus has broken the power of sin, then he's broken the power of our sin. And we can be restored back to the resurrected life that Jesus intended for us at the beginning. What was it that open-minded and open-hearted men and women found that resurrection morning? They found forgiveness for their pasts. And beloved, that forgiveness is available to you right now. As we saw last week, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, right? First John, they found forgiveness for their past. They found peace and purpose for their present. And they found a living hope for their future. So let me ask you a question. What were you expecting to find this resurrection morning? What did you find? What will you do next? You see, that's critical. The women heard the message of the resurrection and they took that message to their brothers and sisters who so desperately needed to hear it. There's several responses this morning that you could have, and I don't want to interfere with what the Holy Spirit is leading you. But some of you might be thinking, though I've committed my life to Christ, I realize today that I have been trying to go through my life by my own power. This week, I'm going to choose to depend on God for strength to face each day even if I find myself becoming afraid, I'm going to choose to rely on God. Others of us might be thinking, though I've committed my life to God through Christ, I realize today that I have still been living under the sentence of death. And so today, I'm going to renounce the grip of death over my life and the lives of those that he has entrusted to me. And I'm going to choose to live life with hope and excitement about the future that God has prepared for me. That'd be a great response. But some of you, honestly, have never come to that place where you have entrusted yourself to the living God. Some of you might be saying this morning, I recognize that my spirit has been dead to God. I recognize that there's a, a chasm between us 
that though I have tried with all sorts of things, I cannot bridge. But I'm today beginning to grasp the mercy and the grace which God has offered to me in Christ Jesus. And I want Jesus to give me life. Today I call on that beautiful, that wonderful, that powerful name, Jesus. Today I commit my life to him. Now if you're at that place today, I invite you to pray with me. Oh God, thank you for Easter. Thank you for this amazing truth that life overcomes death. God, I pray for those who have known you for a long time, but have been living under the sentence of death, who have been living by their own power. Forgive us, God. And allow us to live by the presence of your Holy Spirit in us. Let us embrace the purpose which you have given us to experience your peace. And to share the love, the light, and the message of Jesus Christ with others. But God, for those who are coming for the very first time to you and in humility saying, I need you, Jesus. I pray right this moment that you would fill them that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt by the presence of your Holy Spirit filling their lives that they are yours. And then I pray, God, that you give them the courage to tell someone, to tell someone what you have done for them. Oh, we love you, God. And we thank you for the living hope which is ours this resurrection morning. We worship you and praise you, and pray your blessing on our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. is fair.